Good morning. Happy Friday. It's the BWI Live Show. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Normally, I'm here on a Friday giving you five things to watch for the upcoming game, but there's no upcoming game, so uh, I don't have five things for you to watch today. Sorry. The good news is we have actual, legitimate, real information from an Honest God reporter on the show today because Ryan Snyder's here to talk about some recruiting. Ryan, how you doing today? Doing well, man. How, how do I sound, T. Frank? I didn't check my audios before the show. Do I sound all right? <laughs> where, where am I uh, at? It, uh, you sound okay. I uh, I did. We didn't get a, a pre-flight check before the show. It sounds all right, so I think we're gonna be be okay. But uh, we, uh, you sound a little hollow more than anything. Um, mm. I don't know. I have to the uh, up some sound things in this room a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we talked about this yesterday. Breaking news Thursday afternoon. If you can, if you can say a schedule is breaking news because it's. I don't know. We've done it four times already, Ryan, for the 2024 season. But I do want to start the show getting your comments and your thoughts on Penn State's uh, upcoming schedule, the Big Ten release. Greg Pickle and I talked about it yesterday. You can check out that video with a full breakdown of everything. But what were your major takeaways from yesterday? Just how excited I am, really. I, especially 2024, man. I mean, how, how, how could you not be excited for, for what next year's schedule looks like? You know, obviously, I think it was originally Michigan was going to come to Penn State. I think those were switched. Uh, now, now with Ohio State, obviously. So you got Ohio State coming to town, UCLA coming to town, Washington. I mean, when you're lower tier, if you want to call that Big Ten games, or Illinois, who, yeah, they're down a little bit, but Bielema seems to have them somewhat going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Maryland's certainly having a good year. We'll see what happens after, you know, Tagovailoa leaves. But um, I think from our home, from a home slate, you have to be really excited about next year. And then obviously a trip out to USC for an away game is, uh, is, is pretty fun for, for a lot of fans as well. So I think that 2024 schedule looks awesome. Yeah, I was hopeful. I, I really want to see Oregon come to Beaver Stadium, right? We'll have to wait, yeah. wait an extra year for that. But uh, yeah, just I think it's going to be fun, man. I, I'm <laughs> a you've lot of embraced, people. Like, you've embraced yeah, the I've modern embraced, era. Yeah, I've always been kind of. Yeah, why not? Better games, uh, new teams gives you something to to really look forward to. Uh, it, it will. I mean, James Franklin's very happy not having to play Michigan and Ohio State every year. It'll be a little strange because yeah. uh, I think Ohio State comes next year and then they don't come again until what twenty twenty eight, I believe. Yeah, uh, that'll be yeah. that'll be strange not seeing Ohio State at Beaver Stadium for you know however many what four or five years that is. But um, yeah, I mean, I I I, I don't think. Like, sure, there's a lot of fans who like the regionality, who like uh, the Big Ten, what it is, don't like all this. And I, I do – and there is certainly a part of me that doesn't like the, how, the, how the Pac-12 situation unfolded. And, you know, I do think that's unfortunate. But I also think it'll take a year or two, and, and most fans will, will, will come to really like this. So from that perspective, like the Pac-12 is no more. It's been cannibalized. What uh... – you know, we, we had this conversation yesterday on the show, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. Of After 2025, like, are you predicting that everything stays the same, that there isn't more conference realignment? Mm-hmm. Have we reached an equilibrium where there's enough, uh, I don't want to say backbone, but like financial backing of every conference now that there isn't going to be more absorption from the Big Ten and the SEC? Or do you think that uh, there's there's more to come and uh, and and we're going to see more realignment before we actually get to all of these schedules that released yesterday. Yeah, it's it's all about the ACC, right? Uh, I mean, the the Big Twelve situation seems right to me when I look at that. I mean, sure, maybe 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 there'll be a little bit of flexibility there, but 
uh, Florida State, Clemson, right? I mean, they've they've been making a fuss about the ACC situation. Obviously, their their grant of rights has them locked up for a long time. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's hard for me to see. Maybe not in twenty twenty five, but it's hard for me to see the ACC situation something not changing there. You know, as we get closer to the end of the decade and and the the buyouts or you know the legal fights that'll take place. Uh, you know, get those numbers down as far as, you know, what it would cost for those teams to leave the ACC. So, no, I, I do think we're still headed for some sort of change with the ACC with time. Uh, and and look, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of talk about, yeah, obviously Florida State would fit in the SEC. Clemson would fit in the SEC. Uh, but, you know, when you look at what drives these, which is really kind of getting your conference in a new state, which then gets yep. you uh, more money from cable packages and things like that. Uh it's going to be hard for me to, to envision the Big Ten not being interested in a Virginia, uh, in a North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina seems like the school everybody talks about as yeah. far as, you know, the one that the SEC and the Big Ten would really well, like it's, to have. It's one of the most quickest growing. The Virginia, North Carolina area is one of the quickest growing, I'm, I'm fairly certain, uh, you know, on the east coast of places that people are moving. So mm-hmm. if you want to get an upcoming market, uh, you know, those, those teams make a lot of sense. Um, so want to transition to what you've been working on this week and did an awesome mm-hmm. job uh, checking out uh, all of the players in the class of 2024, the committed players, how are their seasons going? What are their stats? Before we get to that, I just also want to give you credit for, um, I think a lot of times when we talk about PFF and snaps, uh, snap counts and, and PFF grades, you know, on kind of what we do in the industry, most people look at just the, the um, overall grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan went in and did a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to go through and comb through, find the relevant stats, the relevant grades, and then give those for Penn State's mid-season situation. So you really got to go check those out at bluewhiteillustrated.com. I think they provide a lot of great context to the kind of the conversation around Penn State through five games so far. Great time to sign up, by the way, uh, to bluewhiteillustrated.com for a year's worth of information from Ryan and PFF and things like that. Uh, so check those out. But uh, you you recorded basically all of the stats for all of the players in the class of 2024. What was that, just the experience of doing that? What was that like this past Not week? Not easy. <laughs> so, yeah, you make a lot of phone calls, huh? For, for us to complain about paywalls is, you know, we can't do that, right? Uh, <sighs> These sites have been yeah. paywall for a long time, and obviously we, we greatly appreciate everybody who subscribes because we wouldn't be doing this show uh, w- without those people, uh, obviously, who help pay our salaries. But you know, when you look, like the paywall in journalism is everywhere nowadays. So it used to be, you know, three, four, five years ago, it was a lot easier to track down different stats at different newspapers. You know, you can at least clip clip a couple games together. You know, if they don't say they, they don't put all the stats together in one place for particular players, you can at least go back and look at games, specific, specific game stories and, and kind of find the way to put it together. That's mm-hmm. next to impossible nowadays. So it really is coming down to uh, coaches. Uh, and and I, I put a tweet out earlier this week, just thanking all the coaches for helping me with that stuff because uh, some of them track them, some of them don't. And I was kind of not adamant, but like really, pushing it this week of being like, well, if you don't track them, is there any way you could for me? And, and a few of them <laughs> did that. So I really, really do appreciate that uh, because it's not, it's not easy to do at the high school level. You really kind of yeah. need somebody on your staff, like committed to tracking every, every play. And just a lot of high schools don't, don't have that. So, yeah. uh, but we were able, we were able to get stats for pretty much everybody. Liam Andrews was one. I don't, he, he was the big one. We're probably missing that. I know a lot of fans, 
uh, would like to learn more about. Uh, they've also only played three games so far. So uh, hopefully at the end of the year, I can, I can get that together, but you know, pretty much everybody else, obviously offensive linemen, they don't really track pancake blocks or anything like that. I have, right. There was a recruit a couple of years ago who tracked all of his pancake blocks. I can't remember which one it was. Somebody, somebody currently on the team uh, that I really appreciated, but uh, you know, for the most part, all the skilled players, uh, linebackers, defensive backs, uh, we were able to get uh, get some good good feedback on how they're doing so far. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second, but first, today's uh, sponsor of the BWI Live Show is Alum Lodge, and homecoming's coming up. You want a place to stay? How about a place that's super duper nice? How about you stay at a place that's going to make you feel good and not like somebody's listening to you because you're staying in a bedroom of somebody's house in somebody's basement in some random part of town? alumlodge.com is here for you to give you a premium experience of coming to happy valley and staying in an actual house that's just for you it's you know kind of like airbnb kind of meets uber because they're going to be like what do you want in the car you know what temperature do you want it in the house do you want to have uh air conditioning not air conditioning there's a whole bunch of different places you could stay and a whole bunch of different experiences you could have through alumlodge.com they've got a house in belfont they've got one in the village that i'm showing you here on the show if you're watching on the bwi live youtube channel and of course they have one in park forest which is the uh that is if you want the full towny happy valley experience you gotta you gotta stay for a little while in park forest like that's just my personal recommendation uh, so check them out, alumlodge.com, and when you use the promo code BWI, you get 10% off your booking. So use promo code BWI to receive 10% off your booking for homecoming. You know, you're not the only person that needs to get a, a head start on the second half of the season, whether it's the Michigan game or any of the games to end the season or the big ones coming up, alumlodge.com, use promo code BWI, and you could stay in a place like this and have a good time with your family uh, in, in a comfortable setting. Uh, so once again, thanks to alumlodge.com for being a sponsor here on the show. Also, good time to remind you that uh, it's a sleepy Friday morning. Not surprised heading into a bye week, but like the video, subscribe here to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. Help us uh, keep the engine going uh, as we get into a an off week for Penn State football. So let's talk about this class. Let's talk about um, what you found on the offensive side. Then we'll get to the defensive side and some of the guys that stood out to you as players that you want to bring up here on the show. Yeah, I think you have to start with Grunkmeyer, right? I mean, you look back at his summer and, you know, everybody will talk about the Elite 11, you know, but he also earned an Under Armour All-America game invite, you know, from, from the way he performed at the UA regional camps. So when, you, when I look at Grunkmeyer and I look at so many other prospects across the nation, like you won't find many players who improved his stock more and that's not just a quarterback yeah. i'm saying everywhere but you know that only means so much until you put the pads on right and and that's yeah. something charles power really kind of made clear in the summer and sure enough well what has he done well he's raised the stock even more he moved up in the ratings yeah. uh the, the uh 2024 ratings were updated i think around september 20th i want to say a couple of weeks ago now uh he moved up 38 spots to number one oh crap he was 175 so what's the math there anyway He's he's, up, he's in the top 150 now. Uh, I know right. that. So, and just when you look at just the stats, obviously 1,663 yards passing, 19 touchdowns. He does have five interceptions. I know that's something that uh, 
is bothering him, right? And that's you, you should love that about recruits, right? I remember right. talking to him a couple weeks back, and he's like, "Yeah, those five picks bother me." And I'm like, "Hey, man, it's 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 high school football. You're you're, you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, and and this is where you you learn, right? Um, yeah. Before you get to this level, but uh, I mean, even five picks isn't that bad. There's there's been plenty of commits over the years. Uh, who ended up at Penn State who throw more than that through uh, seven games, but uh, completing never nearly seventy percent of his passes as well, which I yeah. think is really encouraging. You know, when you when you watch his offense, that's not a major surprise that he would have that high of a completion rate. His offense is really similar to Drew Aller's uh, a couple of years ago. A lot of yep. uh, you know short intermediate passes, uh, more than really chucking it deep. But uh, they're coming know, after out him. there to watch. Go ahead, T-Frank. Yeah. What was that? I was just going to say, like, yeah, because they're coming after him. Like, so mm -hmm. one of the things that they did to Drew Aller is uh, you're either going to play eight in coverage or you're going to bring five every single play and stress his offensive line. So he's getting a very similar treatment as, you know, an elite quarterback on the high school level, apparently in Ohio specifically. There's only a couple of ways you're going to play these guys. Although Jackson Small had a similar situation in the game you went to see him of they just dropped everyone in coverage. So there was like right. 10 yards to take every every play. But uh, but yeah. Uh, he's he's completing a good number of, of his passes and looks good reading coverage too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there's there's a lot to be encouraged with there. And uh, when I, I trust obviously Charles and he, he does a great job with scouting and stuff. And you know when he's comparing him uh, to the guys across the nation, you know he's he's very adamant that Grunk Meyer is still very much on the rise. And you know he's a top ten quarterback in the country right now, right? <laughs> you would have told me that. I mean, this guy this is a guy who didn't have a Power Five offer until April. Yeah, that's that's not. Yeah. We we do see some quarterbacks emerge late, uh, but but his 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 felt a little later than most. And you know, for the for the way that he's been able to to grab the attention of scouts and so many across the country now, uh, I think it's very very encouraging. So you know, to me, when I look at the stats and I look at how someone's performing, there's a lot of other guys that we'll hit on here that I think uh, are raising their stock. But Grunkmeyer, of course, being a quarterback and and having the hype that he had this summer. I think that's the most encouraging thing is that yeah he really has put everything he's learned with Manler uh, together yep. not just in a camp scene but on the field as well. Yeah, and it's also you know I mentioned reading coverage well, and it's not I don't think he was bad at reading coverage last year, but turning all of those traits into an effective offense doesn't always translate. Right? I mean that's mm -hmm. why we're talking about this of of his numbers and his touchdowns, and it's not that that's going to make him a better player in college but you want to see that progress of application of his quick release and his arm strength and his throwing on the run to create plays and I think that goes hand in hand with their allowing him to create more plays this year in terms of throwing the football down the field uh, I haven't checked in in a couple of weeks but what I saw from the first couple of weeks I, I was really impressed with the development of the offense as a whole so it is absolutely the application on the football field and that's why you know, I think the, the conversation about that and some fans wanted to push back on what does it matter, you know, his win-loss record because football is a team sport, but quarterbacks have an outsized impact and they have an outsized impact when they can elevate players, especially on the high school level. So I think that's mm -hmm. that's an absolutely great point about proving it and, and making that thing, making all of those traits shine on the football field he's done he's done an excellent job with that yeah one one thing i'd add to quick t frank is like steve uh in the chat you know just talking about what kind of competition is he playing like he's it's it's very respectable i mean there's there's i mean if we're going to compare it to boca Bula, if we're going to compare it to jackson smolik uh it's probably better that than mm -hmm. than either the competition those guys were, were playing week in week out i mean uh ohio is obviously loaded with not we we talk all the time about those top 
those top tier Ohio State, Penn State kind of guys. But I mean, Ohio has so many players that go on to play Division One at some sort of level, you yeah. know, whether it's FCS or, or Group of Five or whatever it may be. I mean, when I look at the schools, obviously Medina's where Drew Aller came from. They have a they have a couple guys who will certainly play on the FCS level this year. Westerville South, uh, I mean, that's I think that's where Caden was from. He's from one of the Westervilles. Uh, there, I, I think don't, you're right. I don't think they have any division, true division one guys right now. I don't believe, but like Olin Tangy Orange, one of their rivals, they always have yep. uh, stack guys. I mean, Zach Harrison came out of there a couple of years ago. So I, I, I don't, you know, I don't know all of the FCS guys and all these different schools. I mean, I do know Whitmer, the first team they played this year, they have Carter Lowe, who's a really quality uh, lineman that Penn State's actually offered. So uh, he's going, he's going against good competition. They, honestly, uh, that's, yeah. that's not too much of a concern there. I think it's, I think it's a, a good thing. Um, I mean, it, it's it's for the most part the same kind of competition that Aller was going against, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's also important to kind of point out, like, if you're a quarterback that has an advanced mental aspect to your game, in high school you're playing a lot of static coverages. Mm -hmm. So, like, teams are going to play cover three, they're going to play cover four. I've seen a couple of, actually, games where they did more after the snap than I was expecting. Like, there's been mm -hmm. some good defenses he's gone against that do a little bit more. But for the most part, like, if you could read coverage and, like, be really good at it, which Penn State's quarterbacks have been really good at it, the ones that Mike Yersich has brought in, that's been a common theme is they're, they they read and diagnose well. So, like, it, it I don't want to say it doesn't matter because, obviously, the talent that you have versus the talent you're going up against matters. But he's been able to, I think, uh, effectively play well because of his mental skills, which is kind of what we're trying to measure here more so than just pure talent versus perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Is there somebody else you want to get to uh, on the on the rundown here? I mean, there's a ton of guys. So we can we can talk about a few. I mean, I, I feel like we have to brush on Quentin Martin just kind of briefly there. I mean, Bell Vernon doesn't track um, – I mean, they, they track his stats, right? I have his stats. He, he's just over 400 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns, uh, has about 140 or so yards receiving on the year. I mean, obviously, Quinton does a, a little bit of everything, right? Uh, so that's been good. I mean, there's not a ton of film out there on on Quinton. You know, they, they put together some quick highlights. It was touchdown runs and things like that. But, yeah, uh, you know, he certainly – I mean, I went and watched Quinton last year. I'm sure I'll go watch him at some point this year or later. I'm hoping, as we talked on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, like, Really hoping they all can get to the, the Whitfield Championships there, and I can I can yeah. see him and O'Hara and Tyke Hayes and uh, obviously Central Catholic guys all at once. But um, you know, one thing I will hit on is, is Corey Smith, running back from Catholic Memorial. He's out injured right now. Uh, was able to dig dig more on that situation though, and it does sound like he will be back for the playoffs, which is which is encouraging. Uh, broken collarbone. That's all publicly out there now. If if you search different. Uh, papers and stuff so i'm i'm good mm -hmm. with talking about that uh but yeah from what i understood it was a, an eight-week diagnosis um which yeah, i think it was his first game he got hurt in you know give it eight nine weeks that's pretty much right when the playoffs should start so i'm not sure if he'll be yeah. back that first week for them uh wisconsin starts its playoffs a little earlier than most i think it's the same weekend as ohio state so what is that like two three weeks from now is when yeah. wisconsin will be starting its playoffs but uh yeah so Corey smith's been out but uh sounds sounds like uh, everything's going well with his collarbone and, and he should be able to make it back. So uh, let's go to Peter Gonzalez though. I feel like we do have to really hit on, on Peter Gonzalez. These, and the These are nuts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his, 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 uh, his highlights look really good, man. Uh, yep. Really, really happy for Peter too. I mean, we've, we've detailed his situation and how his knee injury really set his recruitment back a, a good bit. And uh, you know, this was, 
obviously he played last year, came back halfway through the season, but this was the year that uh, really kind of seeing him put it all together. You know, right now, 20 receptions, 578 yards, eight touchdowns. He had a absolutely massive game against Cannon McMillan last week. Uh, getting seven for 268 and three scores. So a lot of those stats, half of it, almost half of his yards really came from from one game. He had a massive yeah. game last week. But, but just it's more so. Out. Ryan, just want to point this out as another yep. crazy stat here. He is two recep- He is two touchdowns shy of 50% of his catches going for touchdowns. Like if he's 20 receptions, oh, wow. eight touchdowns, that's crazy. Like yeah. his his production per, per catch has been uh, out of this world because that offense, and I know you, you've watched them a bunch and you knew about this going in with their seven on seven team, they are loaded with talent. So like when you get your catches, you got to do something with them because they're going everywhere with the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Central Catholic right now looks like the best team in the state. Uh, if I mean, obviously St. Joseph's prep, right? They're always going to be there. And, um, you know, obviously prep probably has the, the more deeper talent, but uh, if that ends up being our PIAA 6A state championship, I suggest all of you guys get out to come to the Valley for that one because it, it looks like it would be one of the one of the more exciting 6A state championships I think we've seen here in recent years because Central Catholic is for real. We'll hit on Specca here uh, in a little bit and we switch over to defense. He's having a phenomenal season as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, outside of that uh, – Luke Reynolds has only played in two games so far. Doing well, though, yeah. man. Ten receptions, 216 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, for two games, that's pretty that, – that, yeah. that certainly has has my attention. Um, you know, Tysier Denmark's been doing really well with, with, with his uh, transition to Imitap. I, I feel like uh, – uh, what's the best way to put it? Like, he's I, – I don't feel like we've seen him change a whole lot of, like, what he does well. It doesn't look like any faster or – uh, you know, running any different routes or anything. He's just very consistent, I guess, is yeah. the best way to kind of put Tysier. He's He does a lot of good things. He, he's like a B plus in everything, if that makes sense, uh, yeah. or A minus in everything, which is which is, which is is encouraging. So um, Tysier on the year, I think he's at 22 receptions for a little under 20, like a little over 200 yards. Uh, and I think he has six touchdowns, I want to say. Uh, or actually, what is he? Three touchdowns, excuse me. So, um, you know, Ty having a good year. And Imitep is another one of those schools, obviously, with Jabri Wallace-Coleman and a bunch of guys that they they spread the ball out a ton. So when you only see 218 yards, you think, oh, and you compare it to Gonzalez then, yeah. um, you know, that, yeah, I think yeah. that grabs people's attention. But you also have to remember how many talented Division One players are on his team. Um, but uh, he's certainly doing well. Yeah, the the other thing is, you know, the way they're being used. You mentioned he's not doing anything different as a slot receiver is just harder like you it's kind of it's a little bit like being a running back to get explosive plays like you can get some vertical shots you can be used in the vertical game but that isn't ty sears style like he is elusive and you know a pure i think a pure slot receiver in terms of the ability to create space with two-way goes and his his agility he's not going to be going running nine routes like like peter gonzalez peter gonzalez average depth targets probably like 20 yards down the field Mm -hmm. because he's just used as a big play target and they're converting so you're not gonna have like this is an interesting context you got to put to some of these numbers um you know so that uh they, they make a little more sense right so you mentioned like you know just usage is important as well for sure for sure so um switch over to defense do we miss anybody? Yeah. We, I guess I missed Josiah Brown. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just want to no, go we, through the I ones mean, you want to talk about. Right? I don't care about yeah. making stats. Public. That's that's all. That's all fine. Um, Josiah. Josiah's, so Josiah's doing a little bit of everything. He's rushing the ball. He's catching the ball. 
Um, he actually has more rushes than receptions this year, which I found interesting. He only has seven receptions, 155 yards, four touchdowns. Um, but he also has 12 rushes for 201 yards and two touchdowns in. So six total, a uh, little shy of 400 yards on the year. He has two INTs on defense as well. Remember with Josiah, he was at Holy Trinity for a couple of years and then switched yeah. back to his hometown. In, I think it's Mount Vernon. Um, or is Malvern? I'm not exactly sure. It's one of those, but not, not Malvern prep, right? I just want to, no, 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 that's, a, that's read... in Philadelphia. Um, okay. All right. But, uh, but he, he, the, my point there is his, his, he went back to his hometown school so he could enroll early at Penn state. Um, gotcha. And, uh, so he, so he can get back to get, get up here in January. Uh, I guess if he stayed at Holy Trinity, he was not able to, to graduate early. So he's playing with a whole new team this year. Guys, he's known, obviously guys he played with in youth league and stuff like that and grew up with around his neighborhood, but this is actually his first year, um, playing with that team. Uh, yeah. So let's get to some of the defensive players. I do want to get to one comment in the chat. will give us a little bit of a diversion. Then we'll get back to mm -hmm. our, our main focus today. But, uh, Ryan had a good question. Ryan from Texas is saying, love to hear Ryan's take on recruiting. Now that USC and Oregon are in direct competition seems to me NIL becomes bigger. Is the footprint, does the footprint expand for teams now that they're in the big 10 and vice versa? Does California, Oregon become more of a recruiting bed? That's realistic for Penn state. Because I think that this has been kind of a, a mixed message and a mixed bag with guys like uh, David Polly Polly going to USC, mm -hmm. Elijah Newby going to USC. Suddenly this is happening as soon as they're in the Big Ten. But are, are those just kind of are those correlated facts or are those facts that are uh, kind of, you know, random chance that they happen at the same I, time? I would say that like USC and Oregon have always kind of got guys from out east to go west, much more mm -hmm. than Penn State and and really Penn state. I mean, Michigan, Ohio state are kind of getting a little more national guys, although they're more, I don't want to say there were really too many West coast guys, but I, I look, it's, I, I don't, it could have a little bit of impact. Maybe I don't, I don't see it being massive. Uh, NIL is like you put that. It seems, seems to me NIL becomes bigger. Like it becomes bigger. Just like, that's, that's kind of what That's people are where doing we are recruiting nowadays. Like it doesn't, yeah. I don't really associate the West coast schools and having an impact on Penn state and, and what Penn state has to do from an NIL perspective to, to stay on top in the big 10. I mean, to me, it really comes down to wins <laughs> just consistently being in that college football playoff. It doesn't matter who you're playing, but yeah. when it gets to 12 teams, you got to be there the majority of the time. If, if you want to keep recruiting at the level they are and, and nothing that I've seen so far makes me think that Penn state is not, Maybe not every single year in the playoff, but they're going to be in the mix, I think, the vast majority of the time. I mean, Penn State yeah. should be top 15 the majority of years, certainly top 20, no doubt. But, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, there's there's a part of me that thinks having Oregon and USC in the Big Ten will help them get, get a few, maybe, you know, grab a few more guys from the East Coast, Maryland, D.C. area. They, they both recruit well in that area. Uh, but I don't I don't see Penn State now because they're playing USC and UCLA getting a ton of Southern California guys. It's just, it's just, a, it's really different <laughs> in state college yeah. compared to, to Southern, you know, Southern it's Cal. Much, it's much easier to uh, convince somebody to go to Los Angeles than it is to convince somebody from Los yeah. Angeles to go to state college. Like yeah. I love it yeah. here. I, this was growing up. This was a place that had more to do than I'd ever seen in my life. So that should <laughs> tell you where I came from. But if I came from a big city, very different story. And that's kind of like, you know, one of that's kind of always been the thing with state college that we 
you and you and Fitz talk about all the time is just even getting here is is part mm-hmm. of the issue. Yeah, I mean that's why the whole big noon kickoff is a massive issue. Like Penn State, honestly, I, I Penn State having their whiteouts at night and even switching up the opponents, like from a recruiting perspective, is is one of the major reasons why that is an issue. And we were on the we were on the message board today. And I had someone asking me, like, hey, is there a chance that, like, a Zaire Mathis or Maxwell Roy end up going to Columbus for the Penn State-Ohio State game? And, I, well, first off, Zaire has a game that day, so he won it. But, like, for Maxwell Roy to get there for a noon kick in Columbus, with, first off, it's a thousand-mile round trip. He plays in Maryland the night before. Like, the, just uh-huh. the big noon kick is 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 certainly an issue for recruiting as much as anything else. But, uh what also keeps you in recruiting is is the money that comes in from big noon kick. So it's yeah, you know, it just kind of goes both ways there. I want to bring this up because he brings NIL up again, saying, "Looking look at the opportunity For Caleb sure. Williams has now to stay go to the NFL based on the amount of money he can make next year in an NIL." I would so I guess the only pushback I'd have there is that it would be very hard for Caleb Williams, who's an individual that is unique, right? So he's going to be a top three pick in the NFL he's probably gonna the number, number one pick he's gonna be the number one pick Period. like <laughs> I, I but I just just for argument's sake like not even say it. the number one pick but a top five salary in in the rookie wage scale does change this a little bit where if it were this the way it was 15 years ago and you could negotiate your deal there's no question in the NFL you make more money but if he's interested like if he's following who's gonna be the number one pick and it's like I don't want to go to New England or I don't want to go to wherever New York um, yeah, he can choose to stay, make a million dollars, and then go the next year. But it does. Oh, he's making you, more than a million. You, they, there's a reason my, you don't see many other players in Wendy's commercials and all right. those other, I mean, he's Caleb. I mean, Caleb's just one of the few examples of of, of really maximizing NIL. And, and LA has a big. It does. Yeah. It does have uh, you know something to do with that as far as being in those national commercials. It's a lot easier to, to access those studios. And obviously not all of those commercials are filmed out in LA. The New York's a, a hotbed for that stuff as well. But um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, USC has a lot to offer when it comes to that stuff. If you can become a massive, you know, national yeah. player, a Heisman Trophy candidate, uh, LA has a, has a lot to offer there. Uh, yeah. But but at the same so I, time, man, it's like if you do any if Caleb Williams went to uh you know Ohio State, Penn State, whatever, like he'd still be massive. And you know, yeah. coming off a Heisman trophy. Uh I just I don't know he'd be making quite the same money that he is at USC though. But and also I, I, he's definitely my point going to be this year. There's no yeah. chance he comes back to cut. There's no right. chance we see him my, play Penn State. No way. My point my point is uh, according to the internet, 2023 draft estimate for the number one overall pick is $41 million. He's not making $41 million at USC. So like that, he's a, he's a unique player that, um, sure. He's got a lot on this level, but he's going to have way more pretty much guaranteed at the next. So, you know, I do think it can change the decision for some guys, but some guys it's obvious. Olu Fashinu shouldn't come back this year <laughs> he's doing enough that he's, he needs to go and needs to take uh take the money um okay Speaking so that, we were the... talking about those pff stats earlier i yeah. has the best pass grading stat in the in the entire country this year i did not or out yes. of power five schools at least that was, that he was has one, one pressure one pressure yeah total. i think that's what it was um yeah. I, you would know the pressure part better than me i was looking more so at the grades but he has the highest rated pass blocking grade in the country right now so that was one and of those he... things i took away from that 
he's he's looked like it too. He's been unbelievably impressive as a pass protector. Defensive players, guys that are going to be trying to knock the quarterback down and make those stats look terrible, especially for Penn State's internal stats during practice. Mm-hmm. Who are the guys that stood out to you on the defensive side of the ball that uh, you were able to track down stats for? Well, yeah, well, I mean, I'll just, we'll just kind of run through them. I mean, starting with the defensive line, like I said, haven't been able to get anything on Liam Andrews. That's, it's, it's tough to track down uh, those New England schools often, and Dexter Southfield is certainly one of those schools that it's been, it's been difficult to track much. We'll, we'll work on that uh, certainly for end of the season. I, I really want to get his stats at the end of the year, uh, especially because O-line, D-line talk, you know, how, how's he performing as a D-lineman? There's not really much yeah. film or anything, so – uh, that will be very high on my list of things to figure out when the season ends. I mean, DeAndre Cook right now, eight tackles for loss, uh, two sacks. Don't have all, all of his tackles, but, uh, you know, he's certainly getting in the backfield. That's good. That's through a couple handful of games. Xavier Gilliam, 21 tackles, three tackles for loss and a sack. I mean, the thing with Quince Orchard, obviously everybody knows about Jalen Harvey, but man, their their entire defense is is really good as far as yeah. you know. Again, players who will play at the FCS level or some sort of level of college football, uh, they've pitched. Uh, I think it is four shutouts in their five games. That's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and and the only team they really gave up points was against Stonebridge. Who anyone who knows Virginia football, I mean, Stonebridge is is always in the mix for state championships. So uh, they're 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 performing really well. Um, I think Malachi Williams is certainly a guy we we got to hit on. 23 tackles so far this year, 10 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, uh, also two pass deflections and a fumble recovery. Uh, very encouraged with, with Williams. Um, you know, they're, they're playing good competition. I wouldn't say it's, it's as stacked as some other guys uh, that uh, like, you know, Quince Orchard's probably playing a little bit better competition than a few others, but um, with Williams, man, I mean, he's just, there's so much to like about him and, and, and what yeah. he brings athletically, you know, stats obviously are, are good to see, but they also only mean so much uh, when it comes to defensive linemen and, and a few other positions. But uh, he's he's playing think, the run much better this year. I like the mm-hmm. he's added some weight, he's added some strength, and there was I had some concerns just the way he was playing the run, where trying to run around guys, giving up ground to try and get around them, that's not going to fly at the next level. So like building bad habits, but he's added more strength, and I think he's doing a much better job of shedding blocks and being a vertical player instead of trying to you know slow play some things. Um, yeah, so, well, yeah, so. I, I think he's been much better against the run, which you're right. Is you're not going to see that in tackles even, really. Yeah. Um, you know, as linebackers go, you know, Kari Jackson right now is out injured. I don't know the injury, which I'm a little trying to figure that out. They've been very, very coy and quiet about his situation, but I don't believe he's going to play this season, uh, which is unfortunate because I feel like Kari's been one of the most overlooked players in this class. Like, he committed – yeah. Uh, and then we kind of moved on to other commitments. And I, I feel like I haven't given him nearly the attention he deserves. And when, you know, when we got to see him on the sidelines uh, for, for the, one of the games earlier this year, like he looks really good um, and impressive looking. I think he's really added, maybe not added weight, but just some, some good weight since the last time I saw him, which was, you know, back in the, I think it was, shoot, was it even in the spring? I might have even been beyond that, maybe in last season. I think about last time I saw him truly in person, but uh but anyway, Kari's just kind of, I feel like, gone under the under the radar a bit. And it, whatever this injury is, it's it's been very kind of hush-hush. So that's something I'm going to have to work on here in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but Anthony Specka, you know, when we talk about linebackers, I mean, Specka is probably having one of the more impressive seasons, I think. Uh, 43 tackles, 30 solo, uh, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks, one fumble recovery. 
Uh, T-Frank, I apologize. I should have told you to cut his film earlier. That's on me. Uh, I was working on some other stuff. I should have shared that with you. But he uh, go go look at Anthony Specka's huddle film. He just yeah, put can, that out. I can pull it up. Give me one second. Yeah, he just put it out the other day. And uh, boy, you know, you want to talk about <laughs> delivering some big hits and and playing more aggressive and and really kind of you know improving his first step and reading guards. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. And you look at his previous film and you look at now. Uh, you can, I feel like he's one of the guys that pops out to me more as, as far as someone who's really kind of taken another, another step this year. Oh, this is a yeah. massive hit. I feel bad for this kid. You can kind of see him there in the middle. He's going to come across the field, just destroys the kid. I feel bad for him, but it's more so plays like this, you know, just kind of the way he's able to read and react and, you know, yeah. get, get big hits in the backfield. And obviously he went on block there, but there's, there's a few others in here that, that really kind of grab my eyes. And, um, you know, like even that play there, you know, I think a lot of guys are going to go to their left and kind of lose their balance. But the way he's able to to kind of read the quarterback well and, you know, keep his feet and, and go get the play. Uh, I think there's a lot to like, especially for a player. You know, we talk about all the time who, you know, doesn't doesn't run as fast as some others. But like, man, he he ran really well at Penn State this year. I think he had a four seven. I thought it was. Uh, so, I mean, Speck to me is still kind of one of the more underrated players in the class. Yeah. We have him. So. One thing I've kind of learned about on three's state system and, and how the state rankings work is it's kind of more so like algorithm based than truly like Charles putting where exactly he wants that guy to be rated in the state. Because right mm -hmm. now, Speck is rated like 15th in Pennsylvania. And there's no doubt in my mind <laughs> that he is a top 10 player in the state. Yeah. So it's kind of one of the things where, you know, we're, we're trying to build a website and we're trying to build all the controls and all the different things. And uh, right. That's like something we have to get fixed at on three. Like there's, there shouldn't be, you shouldn't be putting in, you know, a handful of guys as a, whatever it may be an 88 three-star. Right. And then it kind of, it's, it's not, Charles isn't saying he's 15 or 14 or 13. It's kind of more like, okay, these are all the 88s and they kind of just get lumped together. But, but people care about that. Uh, they, yeah. they, they, you know, they being 15th to the state, being eighth in the state, uh, that that matters, and that's that's something I think we gotta we gotta work on here at on three and get fixed. And I know there actually are, but I've had a few talks with people about that. So, but Specker yeah. to me again, I mean, if you're gonna talk about him being the 15th ranked kid in the state, like no way, no way, he's definitely top 10 in my eyes, and uh, I think he's putting it together on the film here um, as you're seeing so far this year. I appreciate um, Central Catholic because they're one of the few teams that still, you know, I could, it's super easy to find their games. So I'm mm -hmm. able to go in and watch them and he and Peter Gonzalez and you're, I just want to echo what you said. His, his vision. I was a little nervous about, uh, about him, you know, kind of like what's his translatable skills because he was so aggressive, but he, you're right. He has really dialed it in. I think he understands football at a deeper level now. And the speed is always interesting, Ryan, because you look at him, you watch him, and he knifes through the offensive line. He's explosive, but you don't ever see him running in the open field, I guess. So, like, the only thing that really concerns me necessarily about uh, about him is really his size. I don't think the, the, the speed is really an issue. It's going to be arm length and mass for him because he's going to play in the box, and he's got to be able to do the things he does now but do them against bigger competition. And that's going to be the area where I'm interested to see how he develops and how he's able to put on mass in, in the future. Um, so I, some of the other guys. I got to get Mr. Math a Andrews's number in here. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Andrews. I appreciate it. I, I've been trying to track down Liam's stats for, for a we couple go. weeks now. So the I BWI appreciate live it. exclusive. Thank you, Mr. Andrews. I appreciate it. I need, you, I need to get your Exclusive. number. We, we need to catch up some point. Message me. 
uh, online or whatever it may be. Um, I'm not going to hand out my number on a YouTube page, but I will honestly <laughs> to get in touch with you. Actually, I probably should, uh, if I'm being honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've just been trying to track down Liam's stuff. It's it's been a little difficult this year, but I appreciate that. So sounds sounds like he's having a good year though, and um, you know, just excited to see him. I, he's another guy I'd love to get up there for. We're just trying to you know, balance our travel budgets. And when we go places, you try and see multiple people and it makes it kind of a little hard to go to Boston at the moment, but uh, good, good to hear Liam's doing well. And, and thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, switching over to, to defensive backs now. I mean, obviously yep. John Mitchell, Antoine Bove, Grave Shorter, both having very good years. Uh, we, Sean and I have talked a long time about, you know, Belgrave Shorter, probably one of the more underrated guys in this class, especially at least like from what, from the feedback we get, you know, Penn State feels very, very good about Belgrave Shorter and, and Mitchell. When you look at their ratings, there's a there's a big discrepancy there. Um, but both are playing on a very high level. I mean, Mitchell has 31 tackles so far for a cornerback, which is what I think is really good. Uh, Belgrave yeah. Shorter is just behind him with 26. I mean, they're both getting TFLs. They both have each have an interception this year. I think Mitchell's up to eight pass deflections with Belgrave's at three. Um, but they, those are two other guys that, uh, you know, go look at their midseason film. Certainly look at Belgrave's midseason film. I think fans will be really encouraged by that. Um, Kenny Wellesley. Kenny Wellesley's fun, man, because he's doing kick returns. He's their field goal kicker. <laughs> uh, as far as the TV, you know, 15 tackles, 10 solo yeah. so far, two interceptions. Uh, I think we talked about the interception he had on Malik Washington in that Archbishop Spalding game, uh, which was really impressive. I mean, it was to win the game. It kind of just you got to look at the highlight of it. But I don't know how he caught that ball. Just kind of does like a flip in midair. Uh, was really good. But, um, you know, he's also produced a little bit on special teams there. I'm not sure if he'll be a special teams guy at Penn State, but, you know, four kick returns for 132 yards and is certainly has my attention there. And I, I love the field goal kicking stat, man. He's, he's uh, two for three on the year. I believe it's, yeah, two for three on the year, 32 yards. Yeah, this should be his uh, his interception against uh, Malik. Um, but, by the way, he also 27 to 31 on extra points. Good work, Kenny. Keep it up on the, on the kicking net. <laughs> I was shocked this year. There, there's that pick. It's just the way he kind of falls down. He ends up catching that ball somehow, which I'm still mystified on how he how he came down with that. But uh, now, when I was at this game earlier this year, I was like, "Wait, is that is that is that Kenny? Is that Kenny kicking a field goal right now?" Like I was, I had no idea that that he was he was their kicker this year. So that was cool to see. But Kenny's just a dog, man. Like we talk about that all the time. You know, obviously Belgrave shorter and Mitchell kind of have a little more physical uh traits that kind of pop but yeah and he's just one of those yeah. guys that gets after it um you know he some of the hits he delivers man i mean there's no no hesitation with him at all i i mean i've said it many i mean times. that's why he's that's why he's on the penn state roster because if he if mm -hmm. he's got to play big you know daquan hardy's mm -hmm. got to play like uh you know in a similar player they have to play to a certain size because they don't have those physical traits and if he's going to be a slot only guy especially you have to do some stuff in the run game if you're going to be that guy. So I, you're sure. you're right. I, I like the way he plays and his aggressiveness and his, the way he sees the field coming downhill as well. Yes, for sure. Um, for the final two guys, you know, it's safety. Uh, Vabu Vabu's right around. They don't have. I don't have specific absolute stacks. Their coaches kind of gave me estimates. He's right around 50 tackles on the year. I mean, Torrey's another guy. Go. He doesn't have midseason film at this point. I don't believe. But if you if you just kind of go look at his individual games, man, just delivers some massive hits. You want to talk about an aggressive safety, man? He he gets after it as well. And then uh, Dejan Lane's at. Um, uh, 30 tackles on the year through five games with, with one interception. And uh, he's another guy. Actually, they're playing Archbishop Spalding tonight. And I was 
I was trying to go down in that game. It's but it's also like 70, 80 percent chance of rain in the region tonight. So I'm like, do I want to drive down there? And then, you know, I can't film or anything because it's in the rain. And uh, I'm not a professional photographer. Right. So I'll definitely screw up my camera if I, if I take <laughs> it out in the rain. But trying to figure out where I'm going to go tonight. So I'm still thinking about driving down to Baltimore, but kind of looking at the radar here. So, um, I mean, I just think I think. Again, we'll go back to Grunk Meyer's been very encouraging. I think Specca has been very encouraging. Williams uh, been very encouraging, and uh, you know, just kind of looking forward to to seeing how some of these guys do it do in the second half of their season, and you know, to some degree, see how these guys lead their teams to to wins and taking next steps. I mean, with 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 Grunk Meyer, like Olin Tangi hasn't had a six and one start in like I don't know six seven years or something. So yeah. just it's good to see. Obviously, if you put up stats, you put up numbers, but you're leading your team wins, right? And that's that's what you want. You want winners on your team, guys, guys who get it done and and you know take take your high school program to the next level. And you know, if you get a handful of those guys in the class, uh, you know, that that's a good thing for a school like Penn State. Kind of wrapping all of this up, and this is gonna give you I believe this'll give you the nature of this program. Penn State does not have any five-star talents in the class, but uh, this came out from On3, I believe, yesterday or this morning. You can check out mm -hmm. more about this with Greg. Greg Pickle wrote about this at BlueWayIllustrated.com this morning. Most blue-chip commits on offense, and Penn State, uh, nine blue-chip commits on offense in the class of 20... Is this in the class of 2024, right? Ryan, yes. Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they only have five commits in the class of 2025. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I didn't know if it was like on the <laughs> roster currently or, or something like that. But yeah, I think this illustrates what the class of 2024 is, where you've got a lot of guys that are very intriguing, really good football players. Maybe they aren't the five stars, but I, I do think this class compares favorably to 22 and 23, where you've got guys that have massive upside. Like I know that Jamie <laughs> Williams was a five star. But if you're asking me who has more potential with size, frame, athleticism, like it's hard for me not to say Garrett Sexton isn't right there with him in terms of overall talent. And, you know, I love length at tackle. So that, you know, certain edges might go one way or the other. And then Ethan Grunkmeyer, obviously not a five-star quarterback, but really impressive who has radically changed his recruiting profile. So I, what are your thoughts on 24 after looking at all these stats and kind of comparing what we just saw from there? Yeah, I mean, a lot... A lot of, I mean, not, not a lot of space. Yeah, I shouldn't say a lot, but like, I mean, they'll if there's talent, they can still add three, four guys. I think is is kind of realistic. Um, we'll see here in the in the weeks ahead how that how that all plays out. But certainly, uh, Terry Smith would love to add another defensive back to his class. Uh, you know, we know Jalen Harvey, Ernest Willer, right, defensive lineman. Uh, Sean did a great article the other day on on kind of the committed guys they're they're after right now. I mean, no secret. I think wide receiver. Everybody knows they they love to add another wide receiver. Uh, no secret. I think that they'd love to add another offensive lineman as well. I mean, even even having all the linemen they have committed. Which, by the yeah. way, there was another graphic similar to the one you posted the other day where it was like um, blue chip offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, when mm -hmm. when you put together. Uh, you know, Williams and Andrews and a couple other defensive guys with the, the O-line class they put together. And Penn State ranked really good in that, too. I think they were like third or something like that. Um, I, I wish I, I wish I had that graphic right now. But uh, but anyway, I mean, they're they're putting together some really good classes uh, up front on both sides of the ball there. So uh, we'll see what, as far as where things go. I mean, I certainly think there's going to be a few more additions to this 2024 class. It's, def it's definitely not done. We know Jalen Harvey will be someone that they are on to the very end. And you know, there's a handful of guys out there who right now, again, are committed elsewhere. But 
um, players that they really want to get uh, on campus here for maybe official visits in December or, you know, that that Michigan weekend, for example, is, is I think we could see a couple official visits then. So, um, yeah, we'll see how things play out. But O-line certainly feels like a spot I could see them adding someone. They'd like to add someone at wide receiver. Whether they do or not would probably depend on who the player is. Yeah. Uh but that's certainly a spot they want to. And then, you know, as we've talked about with defensive line as well, and um, maybe a defensive back. So check out all the information as it develops from Ryan Snyder at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Never a bad time to sign up, but you can sign up for a dollar, try it out, or you can go dive head first and then get it for a year, which mm-hmm. when I'm doing stuff, why, why, why mess around? You're here, you're watching a 40 minute video on YouTube. You clearly like Penn State football recruiting. And there's one place to go get all of the information. Ryan, thanks so I'm much for all to, your time today. Yeah, I'm going to make our stats. I mean, we kind of want over them all today, but I'm going to make them free over the weekend and get them on Facebook. So uh, if you guys want to like look at the film we collected as well, and you know, a few other tidbits on how teams are doing and stuff, I'll look for that probably Saturday, probably Saturday, I'll put them up. Uh, we'll make them free for everything. And it's really more so looking at the film and stuff like that. If you really want to dig into it a little bit more, um, like I said, Facebook Saturday, I'll, I'll make them free for everybody. So check that out. Uh, I'm Thomas Frank Carr. He is Ryan Snyder. Thanks to everybody who participated in the show this week. Thanks to everybody who showed up. Uh, enjoy the bye week, guys. <laughs> enjoy your bye week. Don't go too far. We'll be back on Monday with more Penn State football talk as they get into their uh, second half push. It's coming, Ryan. The games yes. that everyone cares about. The Minutemen of UMass. Yes, everyone's waiting for the UMass game. We'll talk to you later. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.